text for this morning's sermon is taken from Philippians 4, the verses 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The sermon was prepared using the New King James Version of the Bible. After reading the sermon, we will respond with the singing of Psalm 94, the verses 8, 9, and 11. congregation, saints in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul is being persecuted. Since he was captured in Jerusalem, he has now been, been a prisoner for about five years. His personal circumstances are extremely trying. He is being hated and oppressed from every side. While he is writing this epistle, he also faces a trial that may lead to a martyr's death. Yet, he cannot stop rejoicing. In each chapter, we read that he rejoices. He also encourages the saints of Philippi to rejoice with him. These saints are also suffering under persecution, but he wants them to rejoice. Yes, in this letter, he speaks so much about joy and rejoicing that it is, now, it is known as the epistle of joy. An epistle of joy from the hand of a man that is suffering so much. If you were not familiar with his circumstances, you might have thought the apostle must have been in a good mood or that he was enjoying a wonderful and prosperous time. But we know better. This joy is something supernatural. It is something totally unnatural to rejoice in such circumstances. It is a joy in the Lord, a joy that flows forth from believing the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It flows forth from the heart that confesses the need to live in Christ die with gain. Chapter 1, verse 21. This joy is not just a feeling or a mood or a passing up lifting experience. It is a permanent fruit of the spirit that characterizes God's children, even in the face of much affliction. This rejoicing in the Lord is not simply an experience, but an act of faith. It is the joy that comes by believing in the Lord and trusting his promises. Dear congregation, when we are tested and tried by various trials and afflictions, we are called and exhorted to turn our eyes to the Lord, and when our eyes are fixed on him and the riches of his mercy toward us, we rejoice. I proclaim God's word to you with this theme, Rejoice in the Lord always. We will note that we may rejoice in the midst of much affliction and oppression, that our consideration of the Lord's nearness makes us gentle and patient. And we are not to be anxious, but to seek God's face in prayer. In the first place, we note that we may rejoice in the midst of much affliction and oppression. This, this chapter begins with the exhortation to stand fast in the Lord, beloved. He already spelled out how the saints are to stand firm. He spelled out to them how they have to run the race with perseverance, with their eyes fixed on the coming of Christ. And now he repeats repeats this exhortation.
Jesus. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. This is the way in which we have to stand fast. Already in chapter 1, he exhorted them to stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and that they must not be terrified by their adversaries. Chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. They have to stand fast in the face of persecution and affliction. In chapter 1, he also mentions that the saints in Philippi were experiencing the same conflict which he was enduring. Chapter 1, verse 30. It is now in these circumstances that he exhorts them to stand fast. And it is in this context of suffering and persecution that he exhorts them to rejoice in the Lord. When he exhorts them to rejoice always, he means at all times and in every circumstance. Yes, even in great affliction, which you are now experiencing, rejoice. Also in this regard, the apostle has set the example. He has done so from the very first day. You remember what happened. Apostle Paul preached the gospel for the first time in Philippi. A woman with the name Lydia came. She heard the gospel and believed, and she with her household were baptized. Then Paul continued to preach the gospel for many days until the crowd was stirred up against him and Silas. They were dragged to the authorities in Philippi, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them that they were to be beaten with rods. Paul and Silas were beaten with many stripes and were thrown into prison. And then what happened? In the middle of the night, sitting in the inner jail with their feet fastened in blocks, with bleeding backs and open wounds, Paul and Silas were praying and singing songs of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. That night, the prison keeper received the gospel and believed, Acts 16, and he became one of the saints in Philippi. This prison keeper could testify how the apostle was rejoicing in the Lord, even when wounded and in prison. From the very start, of the very start, the church in Philippi experienced the hatred and persecution of the many adversaries, but they also had the example of the apostle singing songs of praise with a bleeding back. Rejoice in the Lord always. In the meantime, the situation has not really changed. The apostle is again in chains, facing a trial that may lead to a martyr's death, and he still rejoices. And he writes this letter to encourage the saints in Philippi to stand fast in the midst of their affliction and to rejoice with him. How then is it possible that the saints in Philippi can rejoice in these circumstances? Brothers and sisters, it is a joy in the Lord. It is turning to the Lord and fixing our eyes on him and all that he has done for us and by believing his promises that we are able to rejoice in him always and in every circumstance. It is the joy that flows from believing the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is so different from what the world calls joy. That which the world calls joy is not only filthy and depraved, it is deceptive and quickly disappears. The joy of this world never lasts. What, is, what the ungodly call joy quickly turns into bitterness and despair that ends in death. But the joy which we have in the Lord is lasting. It continues always and in all circumstances. Does that mean that the true believer is always just walking with a smile on his face? No. That is not what scripture teaches. The citizens of the heavenly kingdom are now often weeping. The believer knows many sorrows in his life, 
that we have true joy and peace in the Lord, even while we weep and in the midst of our sorrows. The joy of this world is accursed, as our Lord Jesus said, Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Luke 6, verse 25. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Matthew 5, verse 4. The world is now laughing and the church weeping, but on Judgment Day it will be turned around. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew 5, verse 10 to 12. Here in our text, the apostle is saying the same. Even while you are, are being afflicted and oppressed, persecuted and despised, you are blessed with all the blessings of heaven. We rejoice because our citizenship is in heaven, for which we eagerly wait for, the, for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Congregation, do you understand then that the apostle is speaking of the joy of faith? Now this faith in the Lord and the expectation of his coming does not only cause us to rejoice, it also causes us to endure the persecutions and afflictions with patience. We note this in the second place, that our consideration of the Lord's nearness makes us kind and patient. Let your gentleness be known to all men, the Lord is at hand, verse 5. The Greek word, which is translated gentleness, may also be translated as kindness or friendliness. Depending on the context, it may also be translated with forbearance, patience, and graciousness. This word is used, for example, to describe the attitude of someone who is not revengeful, but who graciously forgives and patiently bears the evil done to him. Here in our text, the translator has chosen the word gentleness, and grammatically, that is a lawful translation. However, the whole context favors that we rather translate it with patience. Or if you want to stick to the word gentleness, you have to understand that the apostle is speaking of patient gentleness, forbearing kindness. Let your patient gentleness be known to all men, or let your forbearing kindness be known to all men. The apostle is exhorting the saints to endure the persecutions patiently. Do not try to revenge yourself on those who persecute you, but show patience and forbearance. And then he adds, the Lord is at hand. It is by considering the nearness of the Lord that they will be able to endure the persecutions patiently. That the Lord is at hand means he is near. His nearness refers to the first place to the, to the fact that he is present and ready to help. In this regard, we may think of the passages such as, the Lord is near to all who call upon him. Psalm 145, verse 18. In such passages, his nearness means he is present and ready to help those who cry to him for help. He is near to us to help us. But the expression, the Lord is at hand, is also a typical expression to refer to the Lord's coming. His coming is at hand. He will soon appear. So then, the Lord is near to help the saints in Philippi. He is near to comfort them and relieve their anxiety. And thus, by considering their nearness of the Lord, they will be able to bear the persecutions patiently. 
they also endure every temptation and with forbearance because they expect the coming of the Lord. They do not have to take revenge on their adversaries. They may leave it all in the hands of the Lord who will soon appear as the judge of the demons. Dear congregation, in this text, the Lord exhorts us to show patience and kindness to all men, also to those who hate and persecute us. And in order that we may bear it all, consider that the Lord is at hand. He is near to help, and he will soon appear as our Redeemer. We find the same instruction in the epistle of James. The apostle James speaks in a context where most of the believers were very poor, and many of them were being oppressed by the rich. And he tells them, Therefore, be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. James 5, 7-9. There are more such passages where scripture enjoins patience and endurance with the expectation of Christ's coming. Wait patiently on him. He will come and deliver you. Moreover, the saints in Philippi need not only are not only to show kindness and forbearance to all around them, trusting themselves to the Lord who is at hand. They also have to seek actively the face of the Lord and lay their burdens before him. For do not be terrified by your adversaries. Don't be anxious about anything. Bring your anxieties to the Lord in prayer. We note that in the last place, we are not to be anxious, but to seek God's face in prayer. for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God the way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything it reminds us of Psalm 55 verse 22 cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you also 1 Peter 5 verse 7 cast your care upon him for he cares for you it also reminds us of the Lord's teaching on the mount do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or shall, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Matthew 6, 31 and 32. Our heavenly Father knows, and he cares. Therefore, we must not worry, but trust him and rely on him. Yes, he knows, but at the same time, he wants us to seek his face and ask him, he wants us to confess our needs before him and ask him for his help. And he wants us to do this with thanksgiving. If you want to know what this means, just think of the Psalms. We see how David time and again turned to the Lord with all his anxieties and fears and asked the Lord for help and protection. And then in the same Psalm, he also thanked the Lord for his help and deliverance. Sometimes David thanked the Lord even before he received deliverance. Sometimes he bursts forth in thanksgiving, not because his troubles are all over and gone, but because he is so assured that the Lord heard him and that he counts the deliverance as an accomplished fact. Yes, the Psalms teach us how to pray, how we, in every circumstance, are to seek God's face in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Is the believer then never anxious? Well, brothers and sisters, sometimes we are anxious when we should not be. 
see how many times David expresses his fears and anxieties before the Lord and then closes the psalm with thanksgiving, trusting in the Lord. Dear congregation, it also happens that we sometimes become anxious. We also know the testing of our faith by many trials and afflictions. What should we do then? By the mouth of the apostle, the Holy Spirit exhorts us to bring your anxieties to the Lord. Tell him about your fears and ask him for your help and protection. He will hear and heal your fears. If we lay our fears before him and ask him for his help and protection, then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 7. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. This peace will stand watch over your hearts and minds and protect your heart and mind from the attacks of Satan, that you may not become disheartened or bitter or revengeful, revengeful, but may endure the afflictions with patient kindness, waiting on the Lord. Dear congregation, this is a vivid description of the life of a Christian. It gives us a realistic picture of the struggles of faith which each of us are facing in our daily life. None of us are without anxieties. Each believer knows how severely our faith is tested. Thus, the instruction of this passage is so essential. The apostle is dealing with the basics of life lived by faith. We need to stand fast in this faith. But how are we to do so? First, the apostle mentions the need to stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Therefore, he also exhorted Theodia and Eutyches to be of the same mind in the Lord. And throughout the letter, he emphasized how important it is to stand fast together with one mind and one spirit. And then he combines the exhortation to stand firm with the exhortation to rejoice in the Lord. Stand firm by rejoicing in, in the Lord and his promises. Dear congregation, the Lord is also speaking to us in our circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord always. Don't be revengeful. Don't let your patient kindness, but let your patient kindness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Bring your anxieties to the Lord. Ask him, trust him, and thank him. Then his peace, which comes to us through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, will guard your hearts and minds. It is the peace of reconciliation through the blood of Christ. It is the peace and the joy to know that the Lord is with us and that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens through Christ Jesus. Therefore, our tears make place for rejoicing and our cries are accompanied by thanksgiving. For our citizenship is in heaven, for which we eagerly wait the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, whose coming is at hand. Amen. <laughs>